Combat Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm joined by CEO Ian Munzberger and Chief Client Officer Martin Healy from Combat Sports Group. If you don't know them, Combat Sports Group guides talent, brands, and investors through the transformational growth in the combat sports market using their unparalleled sports partnerships. Ian is a seasoned combat sports business icon with 25 years plus of multifaceted experience connecting brands with the world of combat sports through his global network. And as chief client officer, Martin leverages his rich background with giants like ESPN and Disney to bridge the advertising insights with the pulse of the combat sports world. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Cap. It's an honor to have you both. How are you and where are you joining from today? After, after such a great introduction, I, I kind of feel embarrassed because you, you talk about me in a much better way than I can even imagine myself. So I pre appreciate the introduction and thank you for the invite. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Um, I'll answer where we're based. We're at complete opposites, opposite ends of the UK. So Ian's up in the Chester area around Manchester and Liverpool, and I'm right down on the south of the, of the UK in a place called Bournemouth. Martin's basically where the money is, Ryan. <laughs> Martin's where the money is, and I'm where the I'm where the not money is. That's that's, <laughs> that's how polarizing we are. Yeah, well, going back to the intros, I mean, I would have been here for another five minutes if I was actually both diving into your guys' backgrounds. I have that happen <laughs> my intros. It's always like, how do I put this all into one or two sentences? Yeah, so, yeah. but uh, still, you know, it's a skill, and you've got it down to a T. So well done. I oh, appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you know, diving into who Combat Sports Group is, you know, obviously I know a little bit about there and this whole organization was really formed at a time when live events weren't happening and you've made some really amazing progress in a pretty short period of time. Can you give me the origin story of CSG and where you came from today? Yeah, sure. So I try and keep it succinct. It's a long, it's a longer story than, than you probably think that it is. And I'm going to make myself sound very old. I started Thai boxing when I was 18, so 30 years ago. Um, spent a few years in the Thai boxing space, and then a, uh, a gym opened up in the UK called the Wolf's Lair, which is where Michael Bisping kind of um, had his early days of success from. So I kind of joined the Wolf's Lair about a week after it opened and started off just teaching Thai boxing classes, kickboxing classes, etc., and kind of morphed into just keeping the gym clean and helping the guys get ready for fights and um, get punched and kicked in the face a lot when they were getting ready for fights. Um, and if, again, if I be as quick as possible, you fast forward a few years of me kind of being in that MMA environment, I opened up a couple of my own facilities in an area um, called North Wales. I then opened up another gym in kind of the Liverpool area, and I kind of spent... 12 years running two or three of my own facilities which were really private tuition based facilities i wasn't really interested in the the, the fight side because the, the sport was becoming quite saturated in the northwest of england with gyms so i wanted to differentiate myself slightly so we went down the kind of private tuition route and that's kind of where the story of this starts because i came from a retail background i was in retail management whilst i was coaching Thai boxing etc and I just had a very good eye for aesthetics for customer service for, for business I suppose and so when I opened my first gym I became quite fascinated with the brand side of a gym and the aesthetics um, and none of the gyms in the area really had brand partners whether it be sports nutrition or, or clothing or equipment and it was kind of the first thing that I jumped onto so I was working with a brand called Hayabusa 
who had like a licensed office in Liverpool. I started working with a big sports nutrition company and nobody was paying me anything. I just was getting free product off them and putting their, their banners on the walls and some social media posts in the very early days of Instagram, et cetera. So that was kind of how I got my mind into the the kind of partnerships and sponsorship space. And at the same time, I was traveling around the world trying to improve my own skill set and knowledge. So Thailand and America were where I spent a lot a lot of time. And I came across the Black Zillions gym in South Florida. Um spent a couple of years backwards and forwards to there, became very close to Henry Hooft, who as we all know is one of the leading coaches in the space. And when Henry moved from the Black Zillions to his first gym, I helped him set his gym up. I got zebra mats on board. They kitted out all of the matting and bags, etc. So I'm rambling a little bit. That's kind of how I started in the space. I exited the gym space and I started a consultancy business called Munzberger Fight Promotions, very original name because I wasn't particularly creative. Um, and I was just really working on the re- regional scene. Pandemic hit and a lot of my uh, opportunity in the UK kind of dipped out. And so I went and spent a little bit more time when we were allowed to travel kind of in the States, helped a few more gyms, started helping a few of the fighters with sponsorship deals. And then we kind of created what is Combat Sports Agency. I brought Martin in from Disney ESPN to really professionalize the business and give it a bit more of a corporate feel. And then we created the Combat Sports Group maybe nine months ago with a media arm and a few a few other different kind of purposes behind it. So slightly rambled answer tried to take you through the timeline but over a 30-year period ryan um practitioner mma coach gym owner consultant advisor etc etc so that's kind of why where, where we are now and how we got there well in a pretty unique space to be in right and there's Anyone who knows anything about combat sports, knows anything about brand partnerships, or knows anything about just trying to operate in the world of media, there are a lot of challenges and opportunities that are arising. I mean, within such like a a vast, diverse combat sports world and entertainment marketplace, what are those challenges and opportunities as combat sports group sees them today? I think if we answer that from a brand perspective, like, for me, the challenge is still around education. But like I think if you go and talk to any of the the big major traditional brands out there, they'll still question whether they should be involved in combat sports. And I think they're sort of superficially looking at it as a blood sport and some of those terms we've heard in the past. But my answer to those brands is always just take a moment to go and immerse yourself in the category, right? Like attend a live event, watch the show, understand the sacrifices, the struggles, the training that's involved, the immense highs and lows of these guys' careers. And then ask your question, yourself the question, like, is, is that a narrative you can build a brand partnership around? So for me, I think the biggest challenge with getting new brands into the sport is just education and awareness of the intricacies of the sport. Um, and then in terms of the opportunity, it's an easy one, right? Like the growth potential is so obvious if you just look at the numbers. Like me and Ian hear the number all the time. There's a billion combat sports fans on the planet and really exciting big number. It's quite hard to kind of quantify exactly what that number is, but anyone in the industry will tell you what we do know is just look around at all the gyms offering martial arts today. That's growing every day. The number of participants is growing. The fan base has gone through the roof and been one of the fastest growing sports on the planet all of the last five years. So I think for me, the opportunity is any brand that sees that metric and commits to being part of that sport, 
they've just got a huge growth opportunity to access, you know, new audiences all around the world. I agree 100%. And two funny things that you were just mentioning there, I, I was just explaining before we got onto the call to someone who's definitely not a combat sports fan, what it's like to be at a live event. Never mind just your kind of regular regional promotion, but when you go to like a UFC event, when I was at 287 with a friend who ha hadn't ever been to a combat sports event, you walk away hooked. I mean, there's a level of energy that's just tangible in the air that you're not really feeling anywhere else. I mean, I've been to a lot of sporting events and the MMA events are going to top that always. So 100% agree with you there. And then also just the way that the market's growing. I mean, the same growth between combat sports equipment and nutrition and gyms is the same. It matches the massive growth that sports uh, partnerships are seeing as well. So I thought that was kind of funny. They're both at like 6% growth rate. So I know that you're spot on with those relationships, but you're also working a lot with the athletes as well. Cause you're, one of the things that you all are primarily doing, right. Is actually fostering that relationship between the brand, the athlete and the promotions and property rights holders. Can you talk a little bit about how you foster those relationships with the athletes? Yeah, probably, probably a good one for me to answer. Um, because if we go back to the start again, when I, when I was in the kind of Thai boxing world and, and then into the Wolfslow world, I was a fairly skilled mixed martial arts practitioner. So I was training with the professional fighters on a daily basis. And I think that's where we probably differ from a lot of, a lot of people that are kind of doing similar to similar work to us in the space that I'm a mixed martial artist. I, I was a mixed martial arts, uh, an MMA coach for many years. I ran facilities for many years. I had my own promotion for many years. I've had I've had many different hats on in the sport, but I come at it from a commercial aspect because I have a commercial background. So for me, I would spend time in the gyms with the fighters, training with them, choking them, them choking me, punching them, them punching me. And so I had a very different relationship with the fighters, the gyms, the gym owners. Um, then a lot of people coming into this space, um, maybe trying to do a partnership deal with an athlete and a brand, for example. So for me, I could pull on a lot of those authentic relationships I already had. And I could, I know I'm deviating a little bit, but I, I, hopefully it'll give you the answer you want. I can best place the brand to the athlete or the product to the athlete because I, I know these people personally. But I think when you have those relationships where you've lived in the gym, you've lived on the mat, over a 24-hour period for many, many years. We, we and myself particularly come at this with a different set of eyes than someone who maybe is traditionally has a sports marketing degree, comes into working for a big agency and thinks that there's a textbook way of aligning a brand and an athlete, set of deliverables with a set contract, with the same type of language you would find in any other sport-based contract. Um, we don't look at it that way. We kind of look at it with Martin helped to look at it with brand perspective and I helped to look at it from the sports perspective. And I think that's why we've managed to be so successful over quite a short period of time with, with the, uh, the newer business. Well, and there's this whole range of athletes, right? Everyone would want to have an Israel Adesanya or a Volkanovski or Amanda Nunes as their brand representative. But I'm curious to pick your brain on just that, those everyone else, right? From your up and coming, you know, amateurs, people who are coming from the regional to the UFC or PFL. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about how people are seeking to develop those brand relationships? So if I'm like an up and coming athlete, what can I do to kind of develop that and go and put my name out there? 
Should I jump in again, Mr. Healy? Yeah, yeah, you talk to that, yeah. Yeah, so again, I think authenticity is a word that's thrown about too often um, in today's day, but having an authentic um, positioning for a brand. So whether you are an up-and-coming fighter, whether you're an established athlete, whether you're a retired individual that's got great legacy behind them and a great following, um, it's about being able to give a brand authenticity from from you to them. So th- there's clear categories that obviously make sense. You touched on it on a few before, you know, your sports, nutrition, your equipment, um, your, your fashion, your athleisure, your performance wear, et cetera. I think um, working in the right categories and positioning yourself in the right way will will give you a good starting point for this. If you pick the right category, you have an authentic relationship with that category and you can show authenticity in your, your day-to-day workings. I mean, I, I hate using the social media example, Ryan, because I think we are far too reliant on social media nowadays, but that's where most brands live and that's where most brands are visible uh, along with the athlete. So I think if an athlete can pick the right categories and display themselves in the right way, um, that's probably a good a good starting point. And so that's easy for me to speak from that sense. Martin will probably be able to give you a very good answer from the brand looking in. And, and I suppose you meet in the middle there, you know, because all of these things are partnership-based. But do you want to jump onto that yourself, Martin, and give your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think for me, like you look at it from the brand's perspective, it's the athlete needs to be aware when they go into these contracts is a two-way relationship right like they're going to get stuff from the brand they're going to get product they're going to get lots of visibility sometimes financial remuneration but the athlete needs to deliver for the brand as well Um, and one thing i guess i would call out is once those contracts are executed do you as the athlete have the skill set to manage that partnership going forward or or do you have the individuals around you that can support you Um, you know when an agency like us or the brand is coming to you and saying right, we need to look at social metrics. We want to brainstorm content ideas for the next shoot. Like, can you do that? And, and if not, that's fine. But make sure you surround yourself with people that can help you. It, you know, just expanding on a little bit more, it's quite frustrating for, for us at times. Um, an athlete, let's, we're talking about fighters here. So fighters pri- primarily are fighters. They're not content creators. They're not experts at managing a set of deliverables. Um, and I think the higher up the food chain you go, you tend to have a management team behind you that obviously helps to support and guide when you're kind of on the first rungs of the ladder, trying to make it as a professional fighter, trying to attract the right brands and then being able to deliver too many people jump into partnerships too quickly when they actually can't really deliver their element of the partnership. And you do see a lot of, of athletes. I prefer to call them rather than fighters. You do see a lot of athletes that don't stay with brands for very long or there's not a not a lot of renewals taking place and it's because there really is a hole in the middle of what a brand expects and what an athlete can deliver we try to um to mitigate that at times martin's very good at getting the the expectation level right between both the brand and the the athlete and and if there's a weakness or an area with the the athlete across one of the deliverables we try to where where possible make sure we can step in and kind of manage it because outside of the Sean O'Malley's of this world and maybe the Adesanya's at a different level, 
there's not a lot of people who are great content creators. And do we want content creators or do we want fighters? They entertain us by fighting. Yeah. More and more in today's day and age, they have to entertain us by being entertaining as well. And sometimes that's a difficult, a difficult balance to meet. Well, you have both already been across some pretty epic campaigns that you've done with athletes. Can you talk a little bit about one or two that you might like and how they've resonated with that target audience that you were helping direct them to? Yeah. Do you, do you know, whenever people ask us for an example, I always point to Timex. I think, you know, they're a major global legacy brand. And you're looking at a brand there that didn't have an authentic fit to combat before all the things we spoke about, they saw the metrics, they saw the audience and they fully embraced that UFC ecosystem. You know, they're an official UFC sponsorship um, client. They have a licensed agreement with them as well. And they've gone out and signed with our help, a disruptive, successful partnership with Sean O'Malley, who's, you know, one of the biggest stars in the sport. And for me, you look at, you know, he's a true content creator himself, as Ian alluded to, but we've also gone out and created some really fun content with him that I'm sure a lot of fans will have seen. Um, and that's lived all across the UFC's ecosystem, right? And podcasts, in venue to the live audiences, on social media, websites, we've had it all over the place. And, you know, you can look at the reach of the campaign, but for me, I like to go in and look at the comments and the actual engagement levels, and it's absolutely off the chart. And if you just step back and think, could Timex achieve that on their own, just going into the UFC space? And the answer is no, like you need to partner with a talent that can help you do that. But getting the talent right is, is the absolute key here. Um, and I think that's something that I guess we're quite proud of is we've really refined that process. Ian's been doing this for a long time now of getting the right brand with the right talent. So it delivers for both sides. Um, but yeah, for me, the best example is always Timex in terms of hitting every single touch point in that ecosystem. Yeah. And again, just, just quickly to, to jump onto that, I, I've used the word authenticity a couple of times. I'm conscious. I don't want to use it too many times, but that's the key here because there's a lot of athletes that want brand partnerships and there's a lot of brands that want to partner with the athletes because they want the visibility. They want to build brand equity. They want to educate a specific audience. If you don't get that piece right though, it's you're wasting money. If you align in any sport, not just combat sports, if you align with the wrong individual that aren't going to represent your brand properly, you're in a contract. Very difficult if that person's not right a month in. So having that authentic position and you don't want to work with an athlete that wouldn't use the product or doesn't like the product or the service because you can't speak with any great confidence about a brand or or their services or their products if it's not something you will use yourself. We try to be very careful that we don't partner a brand with an athlete that's just trying to work with them for a paycheck. Yeah, if we want to be crude about it, we try to make sure that it's a partnership and they want to over-deliver. And we expect the brand to over-deliver in return. You know, there has to be an equilibrium there. Uh, and we have to create the synergy. That's really our job. Once we deliver both parties together, we have to make sure the synergy stays for the duration of the relationship. So we are in a sport now that is becoming more and more professionalized as every month goes on. The athletes are becoming more and more professional, um, the way they hold themselves is. But we're also in a very disruptive sport. So we want professional disruption. Most sports like your soccer, um, tennis, golf, things like that, you know, you don't see disruptors really in those sports anymore. And I think MMA is probably the only 
live sport now where you do get those real personalities and you can show those real characters. And we want to tap into those personalities and characters and make sure that we partner them with the right brands. So it goes both ways. Well, I'm, I'm glad you used Timex as an example too. And this is no knock on Timex. I hadn't thought about that brand in years, but as soon as that UFC partnership was announced, I was like, oh yeah, Timex. And to see yeah. how they've executed that across with the athletes, with the rollout and the and everything that the UFC is putting out, not just, you know, we're branding the time clock, right? We're doing integrated content and getting it not just on our programming, but across our socials, across our athletes, into their channels where I don't know any other sport or there's probably a couple, but with the same level of passion and fandom that people are when they're going after an at when they're going after a combat sports app, because it's just a, a different thing. And you're putting your life on the line almost every yeah. time you're in there versus, Hey, I got a goal scored on me, right? It's two different things. And people I think resonate with the combat sport athletes, maybe more so than other athletes. So seeing Timex being able to buy into that, it's just been really cool to see. Why, why do you think I'm going to spin this on you now? Why do you think the audience resonate better with the combat sport or the ufc athlete i mean it's going to go back to what you said and i if i had a clock or a ticker on how many times authenticity came up as the word on this podcast <laughs> i think it just aligns with the sport uh you know there's people anyone who meets these combat sports athletes in person they're almost always the same person that you're seeing on the social media. They're yes. the same people that are in the ring. So you're getting a real version. Now that, you know, when there's that shit talking happening, sometimes you're able to pull that back and be like, okay, they're promoting the fight, right? And everyone's hugging and, you know, giving everyone handshakes after the fight. There's a level of respect there as well. But there's, you know, you know that with these athletes, there's no room for bullshit you know, for the most part. So that usually cuts straight through. And I've been with friends just walking down the street. And this is a guy, you know, this close friend, he fought in the UFC a couple of times. He's not really like, I didn't think he was massively well known, hasn't fought for four years now. And we're going, everyone's like, Hey, it's you, it's you. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I didn't realize you know, that you were this popular. It's like, yeah, man, it's kind of weird. And there, there's just like this humility that comes with it. And I think that, I mean, from my standpoint, from what I've seen personally, that's one of the things that's resonating out there. Who's, who's the fighter you're talking about? Uh, Alex, the Spartan Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know he's <laughs> longer story there but a really really close friend and you know I'm I'm lucky that I got get tuned in to seeing how these guys are living their lives and these ladies are living their lives going through you know the the rigors of the sport as well as navigating outside the sport and I think of any other maybe athletes talk short of Olympians, you know, have some of the least opportunities out there in terms yeah. of maximizing their brand exposure. So that's why I love having these type of conversations. So I can send it to them and be like, Hey, here are the type of things you need to be thinking about. It's interesting what you just said about people being themselves, particularly as well. You know, the, the fighter that you meet in person pretty much is the fighter that you see on the television screen. And this is where the partnership piece becomes so critical with the brand. Timex have been very brave. They're a legacy brand. They're not a new disruptive brand like at Crypto.com, a V-Chain. You know, if you look at the UFC, I'm, I'm quite sad, right? So when I watch a UFC event, I don't even watch the fight for the first minute. I'm looking at the canvas to see what brands are there, anyone new that I don't recognize. I'm looking at the bumpers. I'm looking at the positioning, the size. I'm making myself sound very sad. Martin's thinking, Ian, you're making yourself sound sad. Shush, be quiet. But if you look at those brands, they are very disruptive in disruptive categories. Timex have been very brave because that's not them. They have a big legacy, big history, and those type of brands tend to play it safe. Now, 
if you look at the MMA athlete, what you see on social media really is very real and they don't hide themselves. And the UFC and Dana White can take a lot of credit for this because they have conditioned the rest of the category. They wanted their fighters many years ago to be on Twitter, to be on Instagram. They used to get bonused for it, right? So now you have a sport where the kids that are coming through understand that they can show their training on social media. They can show their day-to-day life. They can show themselves in the cinema. They can show themselves with family. So you have now a fan base that's very close to the sport, very close to the athlete. And that differs from most sports. You know, if we use soccer as the example, because it's the biggest sport in the world, and it always will be, you don't see the athlete and you don't get that personal relationship with the athlete via social media like you do with MMA and in particular the UFC. So when you have a brand that comes into the category, you have to look at the brand. You have to look at the DNA of the brand. You have to look at what their product or service is. And then you have to think, how can we tell that story with one athlete, two athletes, three athletes, which athlete's going to help us to tell it on their own, like a Sean O'Malley. You don't need to script Sean in any way. He's just phenomenal at telling a story and making the brand fit into his lifestyle. There's not a lot of athletes out there you can do that with, so you have to trust the athlete a lot to be able to, to, to work with it. But the other brands and the other categories we spoke about, your cryptos, your V-chains, et cetera, they can kind of come in a bit more risk adverse because they want that raw, real day-to-day um, life that the UFC kind of provides. So this is why it's so exciting for us. And we, we might sound a bit nerdy and geeky when we talk like this, but we haven't really got started in this sport yet with the brand partnerships. Um, I think in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see some crazy things happen in the sport because it, because we can you're allowed the freedom. You're not handcuffed and, and the athletes aren't handcuffed with the type of partnerships they do. So, Well, I think we're all MMA nerds here. And so the, from the, you talked about the brand's perspective, but let's talk about the, the fighter's perspective and how can these athletes position themselves for those type of deals? And what are the brands normally looking for when they're considering an endorsement for an athlete? Yeah. So again, I probably did part answer this in, in the question, a couple of questions ago, but it's quite simple. There's not, there's not, there's no rocket science to this. If you're an athlete and you're looking for partnership uh, opportunities, I would think about money last. That's easy for us to say because some of these athletes aren't paid a lot of money, so they 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 see a partnership as a way to generate revenue. My advice would kind of be to do the opposite of that. Try and align yourself with powerful uh, marquee brands that can give you some gravitas as an individual and can say something about you and where you're going in the sport. So if you can try and look at the categories that make sense, anything to do with sports nutrition, anything to do with fight equipment or training equipment in general, the clothing that you wear, if you look at the fashion category, you can kind of carve that into athleisure, performance wear, lifestyle, et cetera. So try and work with brands that are already in the space if possible you're going to have a better chance of success if they're already operating there um and again if you promise you're going to do something do more if you say you're going to do four social media posts a month for them do five if you say you're going to help to do some uh, some content shoots twice a year do three um 
be professional at all times, but be disruptively professional at all, all times and show the real you. Again, authentic. We need to find a, a different word, don't we? Because we're saying it too much. But be authentic about who you are and, and how you live, how you train, how you act. Because again, a lot of people pretend to be what they think the brand wants them to be. And then a month or two in, you, the, the, the pairing isn't right. So I do think you have to think about this clinically and there should be the same rules for this whether you're an up-and-coming fighter or whether you're an established ufc champion but again the rules do change a higher up the food chain you go um the rules do change so when you do get to the top of the food chain if you are a ufc champion it will be about money more than it will be about who the brand is um because again expectation levels change with success don't they so Think about the categories. Try to find marquee brands that will help you to establish yourself and, and help you to attract other partners. Try to be an authentic content creator where possible. Um, be yourself. And if you say you're going to do something or you have a contract, over-deliver on it. And I think they're, they're really simple rules. Martin, anything you would add to that? No, I think you've, you've put it on the head there. Yeah, just authenticity is key, isn't it? And um yeah creativity if you if you are a creative individual and, and you can bring creativity to the table i think that always lands lands very well and is well received by the brands yeah well i love that and it reminds me of liz Carmouchon and one of the things that she talked about is how many brands that she's worked with over the years that they're you know one weekend and she's like that's not me you know that's i don't talk about that i am going to talk like this and that yeah. really resonated with me because you know the people that you bring on they're people that you can grow with that are going to be not just a, a, a financial relationship, but even further than that, a business relationship, sometimes yeah. a family relationship. She's mentioned that. She said that these people turn into family sometimes. I think the best of both worlds right there. Add there is um, like the aim of the game here is to engage the fan base, right? We spoke a lot about the athletes. We've talked a lot about the brand. It's about engaging the fans. And if an athlete starts acting unauthentically to appease the brand, the fans pick up on that immediately, right? As yeah. Ian said, the fans are close to them. They see them day in, day out. As soon as you get that change of tone, it's not authentic. They switch off and no one wins. Yeah, you would almost be better in the long run uh, as an athlete to not take a partnership deal if it wasn't right for you. But again, we've said that's easier said than done if someone's offering you X amount of $1,000 a month or $100 a month. Um, but in the long run, yeah, it's almost better to not take. You know, we have a lot of regional fighters who are up and coming. They may partner with the local building company or they may partner with the local pool cleaner because that pool cleaner is going to give them a couple of hundred dollars a month. Very difficult for me to say to an up-and-coming athlete, don't take those couple of hundred dollars a month. Very difficult. But if you are going to take that couple of hundred dollars a month, be honest with the pool cleaning company and tell them that you're not going to be visible about them, but you'll help them in any other way. Because again, some fighters, you look at their social media and it's just littered with stuff that's got no relevance mm. to their daily life. You know, show training footage, show recovery footage, show a bit about your personality and your home life. Don't act it out. Let just let it let it be you on a kind of day to day basis. And the bigger brands, they they pick up on that fairly quickly. Venom, we haven't been working with Venom for very long, but Venom are very very big believers in going on a journey with with an athlete, supporting them obviously financially at the start but building that support out as they, as they go along. And, and I think if you can find a partner that's going to go on the journey with you for two, three, four, five years, they're the best type of 
relationships because everyone tends to look after each other then like like Liz Camus said like the family and uh, just Venom I, when you think about some of the fiascos and gear partnerships in the past they definitely seem like one of those that not just align with the sport but with the individuals involved around the sport and that's a you know a long-term play for them right so it's great yeah. to know that people are looking at hey well, how's it delivering now but what is the you know one year out 10 years out look like for these relationships and I'm just curious from your team's perspective, what's the future holding for Combat Sports Group regarding these brand partnerships, the sponsorships, and the campaigns around it? Go on, Mr. Haley. I mean, look, for me, I think it's like Ian said, like we've grown a lot in a short space of time, but it's a massive industry. We've got a lot of things we want to achieve as a business, and there's a lot of room to continue growing. So we recognize we need to bring certain skill sets and resources into the business, and we need to grow the team. but Ian and I are quite protective over the fact that we're not in this to build a big corporate agency. Like that doesn't serve the purpose. It's not our ambition. Our ambition is to build a, a decent sized team to service the clients we have, but remain nimble, remain agile so we can react and keep delivering disruptive work in the industry. You know, like I've worked in the media space at the top level with Disney and ESPN for over a decade. And you, you look at some of the big agencies on the planet, they're slow. They become massive beasts and, they have their processes and, and the whole thing slows down. We want to remain a quick, exciting agency to work with. And um, yeah, I think the future is making sure we get the right individuals in to help us on that journey. It, it's quite interesting because Martin's very methodical, very organized. And before, before I told him I was going to say this on, 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 the, uh, on the interview, he's like, no, don't, don't say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. When, when he said to me yesterday, let's go over the questions so that we're organized. And I was like, listen, I don't need to go over questions. Ask me something and I'll just answer it. But there were certain questions that made sense for us to answer. I was going to answer that question, but it didn't. I was like, go on, Mr. Healy, you do it. And it was quite interesting for me to let Martin answer that because obviously I brought Martin in from Disney, ESPN, as we've already said, um, to fill a particular role, but also because he adds great behaviors great uh, knowledge to the business but the way he's just answered the question was was perfect so i'm glad he answered it that way because it, it proves that we're on the, the the same page i am not someone that likes to be handcuffed i don't like to work in big organizations i don't like being told what to do particularly if i don't agree if i agree maybe you can tell me what to do and i might pacify but i'm not i'm not that guy that you can that you can kind of tell what to do so i don't want to be a big consultancy, a big agency. I don't want to have offices all over the world. I want to work in a very nimble, very agile way, very bespoke with a small team of people who really are passionate about combat sports. Um, I don't want to work with people that are after a career. I hate that word. I don't even know what it means. What, what, what is a career? And I think my the reason that I've resonated so well and I'm, I'm been fairly successful inside a combat sport, particularly the UFC space, because the UFC is very non-handcuffed, very free, very disruptive. Um, and so that's the type of business I want us to be, where you have people that really just enjoy what we do, can do it from anywhere in the world. Doesn't matter whether I'm at Henry Hoof's gym in Fort Lauderdale, sat in his office, doesn't matter if I'm in a hotel, home, restaurants i can work when i want how i want yeah F freedom we have don't we don't we mate 100 percent, yeah 
Well, I'd, I'd say we're cut from the same cloth, and I have a feeling that I'll be taking that clip and just sending it to certain family members that, <laughs> and my significant other being like, hey, there is another side of that, just so you know. But uh, I hey, know I, I like that. I know some people like that lifestyle, but I, for me, it just yeah, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't me. Well, I know you guys have a lot going on and really appreciate you both taking the time. If a, a brand partner or a agency or someone promotion is looking to get in contact with you, how can they find out more about Combat Sports Group? Yeah, I think we like, we like a personal, personal touch. We don't want to direct someone to a website and give them blanket information. Every partnership's bespoke. So Ian and I are on LinkedIn. Hit us up, LinkedIn, set up a call. We can have a conversation. Keep it personal. Thank you so much for doing this today. Really looking forward to it. And uh, I'll take some good pictures out at 292 for you of the Timex activations. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a Happy. pleasure speaking to you. You're doing a great job. I've I'm, I'm been really impressed with uh, how you hold yourself. Mate. I didn't, and again, you, you may cut this out, feel free. I didn't know too much about you uh, before Martin obviously had mentioned you a week or so ago, but I have been, I have been paying attention and you are exceptionally good at what you do. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Just like you said, authenticity, I think is the, the most important part. True. Have well, Martin, week. Ian, yeah, both of you, thank you so much. Looking forward to doing it again sometime in the future. Thank you, mate. Yeah. Cheers, Ryan. Bye.